and welcome back to the Good Work Podcast. I'm Felicity Holstead, your host and the founder of Good Work. This week, my guest is Millie Talmati. Millie is a generalist and the founder of Generalist World. After years of working in startups, turning her hand to all kinds of tasks and eventually ending up with the job title Director of Miscellaneous, Millie went on the hunt for a community for people like her. There wasn't one, so she created it. And I'm thrilled to have her here today to tell us a bit more about all things Generalist World. Millie, welcome to the Good Work Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really happy to be here. Thank you. So Millie, your business is called Generalist World. Could you tell us what a generalist is? That is the million dollar question. It is the question that we have been discussing since I think one of the very first questions that ever came up in the community. So for some context, like I've only figured out the language generalist, like the word generalist this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really have been one my entire career. I just didn't know that there was a name for it. Um, So I like to think of a generalist as someone who intuitively feels comfortable wearing many hats is the most direct, um, the most direct kind of way I can say it, but it also means that it's people who are problem solvers, connectors, tinkerers, maybe, maybe they don't quite fit into like society's kind of standard tidy boxes. And essentially it's like people who are multidisciplined Um, I'm kind of coming at this from a career standpoint, so multidisciplined throughout their career, and we're not necessarily experts at one thing. In fact, we're really, really happy having our fingers in lots of different honeypots and trying lots of different things. So that's what a generalist is. What is generalist world? Generalist world is a result of all of that. So I, yeah, like I said, I've had this really like squiggly career and it dawned on me earlier this year why don't I know anyone else who works like me? Like there must be more people who enjoy working this way, who don't necessarily want to specialize and want to go deep into something. And that was how Generalist Worlds was born. I, it, on the one side, it's a community where folks like me um, who work a little bit differently, who have never quite fit into other communities because they're all very specialized, can come and can gather mm-hmm. and can find resource and support. Amazing. And you talk about that community aspect of it and those resources and support. So what kind of things can people find if they were to join the Generalist World community? It's evolving all the time. Um, So it's essentially it lives on Slack, um, which was a very intentional decision because a lot of people are on Slack anyway. So it's no it's not too difficult. It means that engagement is quite high. But more than that, Slack is kind of just a vehicle. It's where we gather. Mm-hmm. What really happens and what I'm really excited about is these real world outcomes. So people join for different reasons. Most are looking for connection with people who are like them. So to find, mm-hmm. to literally find their community. Um, some are looking for opportunities. So we are working on a, a talent matching solution at the moment where we, we can dig into that a little bit later. But we have bi-weekly events. Um, most of our community events are community-led. So literally folks from the community, if they have something to share, something to teach, uh, they then step forward and they can run those events. Um, so yeah, people come for the community. They come to find jobs. They come to meet other people, interesting people. And 
it's evolving all the time though. Like it'll be interesting if you ask me this in one year's time, if, if and how my answer might be different. Of course. And I think that's something that's so interesting about what you've told me already about generalist world is it's very new, right? And you've had like a huge amount of success in a really short space of time. There's a little bit of me that's like, how did this not exist before? Like, why do you think that is? There's a huge part of me that asks that. And sometimes I question, my, I like doubt myself and I'm like, have I just missed, like, surely this exists somewhere. And the best answer I can come to is that we live in a really specialized world. From the time we're in school, we're told to pick a path and we're told to go stick on that path, go to university, follow that path, get that job. Don't veer off the path. The only mm -hmm. way to success is straight. And I'm kind of pushing back on that. And I can honestly attribute everyone's excitement and like getting behind the generalist world like mission to pushing back on that, to being like, actually, maybe there's an alternative way. And maybe having all of these different interests and wearing all of these different hats is actually really valuable to the quality of my life and to a company. Yeah, absolutely. And just taking a step backwards, I guess, for a moment, you told me previously about a job title that you'd had most recently at an organization. Was that like director of miscellaneous? Um, do you think that there is a future for really like developing and padding out what those types of roles are? And, and what do you think the value is to an organization in really investing in that idea of like, what a director of miscellaneous can be and can do? Yes, my previous role was the director of miscellaneous with bravely.io, a mental health tech startup. And that was really the seed for generalist world because they were the first, they were the first company to really look at me and to see my diverse skill set and to be like, we're not going to put her in a box. We're going to give her this title that no one's ever heard of. And everyone gives me a funny look when I say it, director of miscellaneous, but that's what I did. I touched every area of the business no two days looked the same for me and because of that I had the most fun and I was my output was super high and I was thriving because I was given the freedom to work on all of these different things so I think organizations love they love boxes they love things to be neat and tidy and everyone has a role everyone has a tag but I think there's real value in questioning that just because we've always done it like that. Does that mean it's the best way? And I think there's massive value in having people who think differently in all different stages, all different sizes of businesses. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is so much scope for that. And I think one of the things that, that springs to mind, and obviously you, you say you've worked previously for a startup, you see these types of roles in terms of like chief of staff roles and that might kind of feel like they're generalist roles in, in startups and being a founder fundamentally is a generalist role to, to a great extent mm -hmm. as well. How do you think that generalists can lend their skills and, and how do you think that bigger organizations might be able to take advantage of the generalist approach as well because I think those types of organizations that have like really rigid org structures for example can be where those sorts of roles and those sorts of people can sometimes get lost do you think there's scope mm -hmm. for them to to really take advantage of generalists as well I absolutely think so. So just for context, we are very early on, we're three months in, and it's on paper, just me, I have a wonderful team of volunteers who are helping. So, but I, I really need to like laser focus 
where I'm putting my energy at the moment and where I'm mostly putting my energy is helping generalists get into early stage companies. So generally, you know, 10 employees or under, which like there's a, there's a clear fit that generalists thrive in that, in that kind of org size. I think the big question is what happens when we start putting generalists in these bigger organization structures, as you said, which are more rigid, which have like really like strict structure, it's a little bit of an unknown. Like a lot of what we're doing at the moment, it's almost like swimming in the dark a little bit. No one's mm-hmm. done it before. No one's no one's figured it out. No one's cracked it. But I think fundamentally, when we have different voices, different ways of thinking, different ways of solving problems, there's huge value in that for companies. And I think a big part of what we're doing, what we need to do, is have an educational awareness campaign to, I mean, if, if you just have a look at the caliber, the caliber of the our generalists in our community, it is phenomenally high. These are like founders, they've had like seven, eight figure exits. They're like, this is like really incredibly talented individuals. Mm-hmm. They just think and work a little bit differently. And I just see myself as a facilitator between companies and the community to kind of bridge that gap. But we have a lot of work to do because as I said, it is uncharted territory. Absolutely. And so I'd love to understand a bit more about what was the catalyst for you? So you say you were, you were in this generalist role within an organization and you decided to start this community, which has, as you say, really taken off. It's been three months. You were telling me the other day that you've, you've had to close your doors and and create a waiting list just in order to monitor and like keep the center of that community and and the value of that community by making sure that you're taking a more measured approach what was the catalyst that that got you to do that and and why do you think that it has taken off in the way that it has for me at least the the reason it existed at all is that I wanted to be able to find a community that I fit into finally and I could fit into without having to pretend that I was specialized in one thing. I just wanted to like be able to like, sounds cheesy, but like authentically like show up as myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't find that. And I think that's where other folks have gotten really excited as well, because it's the exact same thing. If you've been a generalist, you can completely relate that there's never been a place where you fit in. And mm-hmm. like community at its core is finding a place that you belong. And I think people are really, really excited. This is the first time in their career, perhaps their lives, that someone has said to them, come as you are. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. fine. You don't have to pretend to be anyone else. We value you. And we acknowledge that this this is how you think. And in fact, the world needs these like diverse thinkers. This is how we solve problems. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, it's so interesting. And I'd love to talk about junior generalists and early stage Mm -hmm. generalists as well but I I think a lot of what you've said has really resonated with me because you know I left university I went into consulting and I think I really loved that because it was a problem solving role because it allowed me to be a generalist Mm -hmm. but I can also remember as I climbed that ladder people saying to me oh well you need to specialize like you need to find an area in which to specialize and I was like well I don't really want to like I really like turning my hand to lots of different things But as you say as well, the generalist world community that you have at the moment is generally people who are, you know, at the top of their game, they've got experience, you're working with people who are able to join an early stage company and really add value through experience as well as their skill set. 
what what does a junior generalist look like and how do we foster a career path and progression and development for young people who actually really have that level of interest and want to become a generalist kind of late further down the line or think that might be the right path for them how do we find a place for them in organizations I'm so excited to solve that I think like no one has solved that that is completely wide open I will say just like from what I've noticed trends in the community very few junior people are coming through it's like you Mm -hmm. almost have to walk this path of being told you need to specialize and you try and you try and then it's not until you're kind of like you know five plus years into your career that you have the confidence to be like oh it's just not for me I just Mm -hmm. don't want to specialize but it's really hard to do that when you're just breaking in and when when the only narrative is that you must specialize so part of my really big picture plan is like how do we foster this at the beginning how many people could have much more meaningful careers if we told them at school or at university hey you can go broad you can have lots of interests you can follow this career path which like on on paper might look a little bit wild and Mm -hmm. it isn't like it's non-linear and it's non-traditional but if that's what makes you happy like we are spending so much of our adult lives working and to me it's it's almost an injustice to tell people that they must do one thing they must specialize it's like humans are way more complex than that and we're naturally problem solvers um Mm -hmm. we're naturally quite curious but I think that kind of gets almost like smacked out of us through like the systems that we're that we're brought up in I think there's a real need to recognize the value that a young person at the start of their career who is a problem solver and interested in lots of different things can bring it's very close to my heart because I think that's the kind of person that I have been and through through the early stages of my career and I think to a certain extent that's the kind of person that, that we want to foster and develop within good work as well to the extent that we can find organizations who are you know willing and keen to to think about young people being able to to take that approach too so something else I want to ask you about is how is generalist world driving diversity and inclusion and equity in its community you know what what does the generalist world community look like because as you say like you're you're dealing generally with people who are fairly senior and experienced in their careers have you found it to be a a natural part of your community or is it something you're really having to kind of focus on driving it's been really interesting so first up we are a global community so naturally that means that we have to have diversity, equity, and inclusion at the forefront of everything we do, because we are having folks come from all different backgrounds, different countries, different experiences, they speak different languages. So it's actually a really conscious thing that I have had at the forefront of my mind. It's not been an afterthought whatsoever. And how I kind of, how I manage it, I I recognize my own strengths. So my strengths are not I don't, I don't have an expertise in diversity, equity, and inclusion, but what I do have is lots of people in the community who do, and I think it's all about leaning into the people who really know their stuff and who are happy. It's incredible when you ask people, like, would you like to contribute to this, especially at around DE&I, they are so happy to contribute and to see that a community is actually putting it first. Mm-hmm. Um, so an example of that is just recently... 
we had a pretty like basic code of conduct, like kind of more like guidelines of what to expect. But it, it occurred to me like we need to have a really robust one. And so the code of conduct we now have is co-created with the people in our community. It's literally edited comments, like it's like a working document <laughs> created with and by people who are really, really clued in on what's important. And I, I'm a part of a lot of communities. I'm sure you are. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are. And it, it seems kind of rare that that is actually prioritized in communities. It's more like everyone speaks about like how engaged they are, but it's like actually this undertone, right? When people arrive, they, they come to me and they're like, it, it feels almost like home. It feels like and this is people from all over the world. And I'm like, okay, so how are we creating this feeling of home? And I think it's because we're making it a really safe, inclusive environment by design. It's not by accident. I think that's so interesting. And one thing that kind of occurs to me as you're talking about that is, have you talked much about neurodiversity in the generalist community? And to what extent do you think that being a generalist is potentially an aspect of, of perhaps having like a neurodiverse mind, potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something super interesting. And the reason I raise it is that is something that I've come to understand about myself, actually, mm-hmm. in the last kind of year or so. And I think that having resonated a lot with things that, you, that you've said through this is it makes me wonder whether that's something that's come up for you in the in the generalist world community as well. Many times, many, many times. We have a really large percentage. I wish I had the data on it. I don't, Mm -hmm. um, but I could find it out one day. I'd love to actually do some like proper research into it. Uh, We have a lot of people who are on the spectrum who have ADHD. What's really encouraging to me is that when people arrive in the community, they introduce themselves and it's one of the first things they say. And it's completely welcomed because so many other people are like, me too. Like, yeah, totally understand. I think it would be really interesting to actually do some proper research around the link between identifying as a generalist and being neurodiverse. Yeah, I I really agree with that. I hope that's something that you're able to do at some point. And I think as well, it's also about, you know, how do we then get organizations to recognize that as a real strength, right? Because I mm-hmm. absolutely see it as a strength, but I know that it's something that people who've who've spent and had a lot more time to think about this perhaps than, than I have, because as I say, it's something I've only recently kind of discovered about myself. And it's not been something where I've stopped and then thought, oh, is this like holding me back? Or is this something that's, mm-hmm. you know, like a less good thing about me? I'm like, no, actually, I think that this is awesome. And like, this really helps me to succeed in the way that I have but how do you have that conversation with organizations you know what it's this is so so important because we hear a lot that generalists are good for building companies and then we there's this whole kind of question of like what happens to them once a company scales and gets bigger yeah and it's for this exact point that I'm like this is why we need generalists in leadership because it's representation right it's like if I'm a generalist at the top in leadership, if I'm hiring, if I'm driving strategy, I'm going to see the value and be able to open the door and bring others and keep the door open and keep people coming in. But in saying that, like, we we really do, I'm not like in a fantasy about it, like we have an uphill battle ahead of us. We're essentially changing a narrative of society, which has been in place for 100 plus years. Absolutely. You know, it's really interesting too, on, on all of these points, 
diversity of thought is an expression that I hear used a lot. And I've also heard it used when I worked in a more corporate job. And, and I often got frustrated because I thought, well, actually, is diversity of thought being used to kind of mask a lack of actual diversity? You know, like mm. saying we have diversity of thought in this team full of middle class white men and therefore we don't need to worry about other diversity criteria is a real red flag for me. But at the same time, it's a really important and nuanced thing that that it's key that we have. And, and when we think about things like socioeconomic diversity, diversity of thought can be such a central element of, of what you really gain by having greater socioeconomic diversity. How do you, as an advocate of the generalist approach, make sure that you're treading that path and, and achieving that balance really carefully where we value diversity of thought without using it as a, as they say, like a shield for achieving actual diversity? I think it really comes down to fostering an environment that is actually authentic versus having one that it's almost like you you can create an environment that you either on the surface think people want, but it's like when you really get into like the meat of it, it's like, okay, but what do you really stand for? And who are you making space for? Like, for example, at every event we have, every workshop we have, we'll kick it off with just some reminders about like making space and taking space and being like fantastic if you're really like confident and you have a lot to say how about I see it as an opportunity to be like okay so how about it's it's a learning opportunity for others to be able to I guess widen that diversity of thought and I think there's a there's a lot of buzz around diversity at the moment and people want it like it's like the badge of honor on their website kind of thing but I think to actually walk the walk it's a lot more difficult and you have to like put effort and energy into fostering that environment. And I think, especially from a community standpoint, especially from a global community standpoint, it's extremely important to be able to make sure that people can show up, that they have a voice, that they have space and that others are opening the door for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for generalist world like what's on the roadmap for you and have you had a chance since this kind of rocket ship took off to kind of stop and think wow I started this community that's now turned into like a career for you how are you kind of digesting that and and planning for for what's to come it's a matter at the moment of keeping all the plates spinning which I'm sure a lot of founders can relate to there's a lot of spinning plates What's next is I'm really laser focused on the immediate future. I think when you're building a business, when you're starting a business, it's easy to get caught up and you can have it. You can have an idea of where you're headed, but like that can change so quickly. We know that like so many external factors, internal factors can change the direction that you're going. So I'm a big believer in testing, iterating, pivoting, and then doing that again, rinse and repeat. Yeah. So our laser focus at the moment is creating this this community. As you said earlier, we've actually just closed off the general membership. Um, So we have a wait list. And the reason behind that is we just really want to make sure that the people we have, we have a thousand folks that are gathered there. We're going deeper on the connections, on the networking, on understanding how we can best support, understanding what jobs they want, how we can land them awesome jobs. Have you had time to stop and think about what this means for your career? Because it seems like it's maybe gone off in a direction or kind of grown at a pace that you didn't expect it to. Yeah, to be honest, it has taken off 
a lot faster than expected. This is not my first time as a founder. I have founded businesses before. I've been working in startups for the last seven plus years. So the, this kind of career, I guess, is familiar to me, but I actually find it a true privilege to be able to help people who are similar to me. It's kind of like sol- scratching your own itch, solving your mm-hmm. own problem. Um, and I'm a big believer in like, you know, you should, should kind of have like three mentors, one that's a bit ahead of you, one that's a, at the same stage as you and one who's upcoming. And you should have these three people in your life. And I think generalist world can solve that. We can have people at all these different stages of their career. And if I, if this all works out and I'm able to help people get these really meaningful jobs that then have a knock-on effect this positive impact on their life that is unbelievably cool to me that is like incredible so I feel very fortunate to have kind of stumbled across something which was staring me in the face my entire life it it is quite interesting it's like oh how did I not see that this was really needed but um I guess better late than never Oh, 100%. And I think that for want of a less cheesy expression, journey of self-discovery is so important. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm really loving, especially as I've gone on this like very different path to where my career was going, the things that I've learned about myself through that process have been honestly like life-changing. And I think, you Mm -hmm. know, that's really wonderful that you're building a community that enables other people to to think about and do that for themselves as well. I know you've got a wait list, but I'm like, can I get in? Because I feel like I want to, I want to join Generalist World. Um. We need to figure out, to be honest, we've got this wait list, but I don't even have like a date that I can confidently say, like, we're going to open it. I think it's going to be a matter of just letting people in kind of in like cohorts almost. Yeah. It's just like the last thing you want to do, you know, the feeling you turn up to a community, there's thousands of people in there you feel like just like a dot in the ocean kind of thing and then that totally takes away from the reason you signed up for the community in the first place so everything I'm doing is really intentional building community is somewhere between an art and a science and it's like tweaking things all the time Um, so our doors will be opening I just think uh, I had them wide open and now they're just kind of like a jar (laughs) Oh, I totally get that. And it's so funny because I've I've spoken to a few people who run like membership based communities over the last year or so. And it always really surprised me at first that people would like open them at certain times and then close them again. Because I was always like, that seems weird. Like, aren't you stopping people from coming along and joining and, you know, fundamentally like earning you more money too, depending on your model. But at the same time, like now I totally get it because you're absolutely right. You've got to protect that engagement. And I've occasionally joined communities that were just open doors and immediately disengaged and left because yep. I just didn't feel like a place that that really gave me anything back. So I totally, totally support that. I'll, I'll just see if I can bribe the founder of Generalist World to let me in, right? <laughs> so another thing I wanted to ask you about, one of the things you've told me about Generalist World is that you've developed a talent matching process as part of what you do. So matching people from your community with amazing roles in great organizations. You've also told me that you didn't necessarily have a background in in talent or HR and that that process wasn't necessarily something that you imagined would come, particularly in the early days of, of the Generalist World community. How has that felt to go into? What have you learned about talent and HR through that process and and how does that work how are you getting engagement from organizations are you really seeing this demand 
Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I don't have a background. I'll put my hands up. Do not have a background. I've never been a recruiter. I've never worked in HR. So it was a completely new thing that I just saw this clear match where I was like, okay, we've got these amazing people looking for great jobs. We've got companies who could really do with hiring incredibly talented generalists. And then I was like, <laughs> it's the generalist way, right? I'm like, well, I've never done it before, but like, I'll figure it out. Like, how hard exactly. could it be? So I've kind of been on like a really deep dive into recruitment and into understanding how recruitment works, what is working at the moment, what isn't. And if I'm honest, there's a lot that's not working. I think on both sides of the coin, recruitment is broken to a point. So on the one side, you've got job seekers who are applying to hundreds of jobs, potentially for months on end, like what's that doing to your self-esteem, to your mental health? And then on the other side, you've got the recruiter or the hiring manager or the founder who is spending hours after hours. I spoke to someone yesterday, I'm speaking to a lot of hiring managers at the moment, and they spoke to 110 engineers before, and I mean like video calls spoke to 110 engineers before they settled on the one that they wanted to hire. And it was quite something. I was like, wow, how much resource, like as in time resource is going into this. And so I'm kind of like trying to reimagine the way that we hire. And I'm doing that by making it way more human. At the moment, hiring is extremely transactional. It's like you it's submit a CV and so does 500 other people. And then someone has to try and sort through it on the other end. So I'm really trying to, to especially for generalist roles, to be honest, CVs don't work for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've probably had these like unusual careers that maybe don't look great on an A4 piece of paper. And they certainly, a CV does not tell you anything really about a person. Um, yeah. So the companies that we're working with, I've totally scrapped CVs and I'm making it much more about a holistic view of who this person is and why you should get on a call with them. I think at its simplest form, that's what hiring is. We need to make it way more human, less of the long, long, long applications. It's like, let's get on a call, see if it's a click, because especially at early stage companies, so much of the hire, like so much of hiring well is hiring for like personality and making sure that this is a person that you want to build with for the next X amount of years. And it's going to be a bit of like a slog. Yeah. I totally relate to all of that. I mean, the the recruitment processes that we have developed at Good Work are very much based around similar principles. I would like to do away with CVs forever. But then I do come <laughs> up against that challenge of like, how do you avoid the culture fit trap, right? How do you avoid that? Like, well, I'm just going to hire people like me because they're the kind of people I want to go to the pub with. What's your approach to that? That's a great question. And so many of these things, if there was an easy answer, it would be done. I think that's what it comes down to. If it, if it was simple and if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So that's kind of the first thing. I think the second thing is, again, this educational awareness piece. So I feel like I've got this really beautiful opportunity because I'm working one-to-one with a founder. I'm working specifically with them. And so that means I really get to understand actually what they need. What is their company all about? Are they mission orientated? And it's not even so much about like, you know, do we want to go to the pub on the weekend? 
and but it's like high level like do we have similar values do we have this this kind of like deeper intrinsic motivation I think comes from having these like values yeah that's amazing so Millie I have loved hearing all about generalist world today and I think what you're doing relates so well to a lot of the challenges around recruitment and hiring that we've been talking about and diversity and inclusion on the podcast as well and I am definitely here for thinking more about junior generalists too and, and how we bring the good work community potentially into contact with generalist world too and before we wrap up though I just wanted to ask you one more question which I ask everybody but I'm really interested in your answer because it seems to me like you're somebody who thinks a lot about and engages a lot with interesting probably writing and podcasts and things like that so if you could recommend a book or a podcast and that has changed the way you think what would it be yes so there's an author I'd like to recommend his name is Rutger Bregman he's a a Dutch author he was my first book I read of his was Utopia for Realists which is fantastic it's about universal basic income and has some really interesting thoughts But his second book I just read is called Humankind, and Mm -hmm. it argues that humans are inherently good, which is actually quite a difficult thing to argue when, you know, you look around at the world and it's, it can be quite dark and overwhelming and anxiety inducing. And so that book was like a breath of fresh air. He really argues it from like an evidence-based point of view as to why we humans are inherently good. And I think that gave me a lot of hope for the future. I love that. I also loved Utopia for Realists and Universal Basic Income would not least do a lot for the founder community. I've got to say that. Like I could I could use a universal basic income right now. But I will definitely look up that other book as well because that also sounds brilliant. Millie, thank you so much for your time today. It has been wonderful talking to you and I can't wait to see where Generalist World goes next. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Chat again soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you share it with friends and colleagues, leave us a review and check your subscribe so you don't miss us next time. To keep up with all things Good Work, follow us at Good Work UK on LinkedIn. The Good Work podcast is brought to you by Good Work, a social impact business on a mission to make early careers fairer, more inclusive and more meaningful. We're working to remove barriers for young people from less privileged backgrounds and support businesses to reimagine their approach to entry-level talent and skills. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.